Hello, this is drummer Rudy Royston. You're listening to Behind the Note podcast with Christopher Davis. You're listening to Behind the Note podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for pressing play today. This is episode number 26. And of course, we have a great show ahead, and we have a great, a great guest for you. And before we get into that, I just want to take the time to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audio book download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash behind the note. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Now, please allow me to introduce you to today's featured guest. Today's guest is critically acclaimed both nationally and internationally. He has been featured in the Wall Street Journal by legendary jazz writer and producer Nat Hentoff. And he was also voted rising star on the trumpet five years in a row by Downbeat Magazine and the Jazz Journalist Association. And today's guest is also currently touring throughout America and Europe to promote himself as a musician. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you today, Mr. Jeremy Pelt. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for joining us on the show today. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I just told everyone a little bit about you, but we want to get to know you a little bit better. So will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, for example, how did you begin your musical journey? Just like anybody else does, listening. So who, who introduced you to music or how did you discover it? My mother was always playing it, so there was that, and uh, I just felt like I had a, <clears throat> excuse me, a natural inclination towards it. So I just, uh, just kept listening. So is your mom also a musician, or do you mean she just played music in the house on the radio? She just played music in the house on the radio. Okay. So when were you introduced to the trumpet? I started playing the trumpet when I was about five years old. Oh wow, you got a really early start. All right. So if you started that young. I'm guessing you weren't really serious right away, being that young. So when did you make that switch in your mind? You're right. I wasn't uh, necessarily that serious, you know, at five years old. But uh, it was always something that was fun. So, I mean, you know, at five years old, you're not thinking about a career in anything except for playing with toys. That's right. But um, I guess when I uh, hit junior high school, that's when it started to really uh, take shape. And what was it about that environment that started to change your thinking? I guess at that at that time, the music in schools, in public schools, was a very uh, was very good at that time. So I suppose the commitment of the band directors and and also the commitment of the students to play the music was something that was uh, very uh, appealing. And so it just spurred me to keep on going. And then by the time I hit high school, that's when I discovered jazz band. And um, that was when it was full throttle. I was into it then. I see. So where did you grow up? California. So I, I just learned uh, recently, and I want to ask you if it's true. Uh, were you were you really into composition as 
as far as like studying it in school? Certainly. So what made you want to study that further? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it, I feel like it goes hand in hand with playing. I mean, it, it, it was just another facet of my musicality. And, uh, you know, those, those type of things aren't one of those. It, it's, it's, it's kind of like breathing. You know what I mean? You don't really think about, uh, let me delve into this more. So it's just because this is something that I have to do. I definitely can relate to that because as you, as you learn more about writing, your awareness is open, which allows you to become a better performer. Sure. And that, it sounds like that's where you were coming from it from at that angle. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, those are all things that you you look back, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, you just say, oh, yeah, okay, this did this. But, I mean, at the time, I mean, it's not even, I'm, I'm not even thinking about it at, in those terms. I'm thinking about it as, oh, I hear a, a, a nice melody, and let me see how I could improve upon it. So I was wondering, did you ever have a uh, traditional nine to five day job? I did. Uh, when I first, uh, as an adult, when I moved to, to New York, yeah. Because uh, like most people, when you move there, you're broke <laughs> and in need of, of immediate uh, employment. So, yeah, when I, when I uh, moved to New York, I was working at Sam Goody's which is a record store that is now defunct. But uh, back then, it was still open, and it was down in the village. Man, I remember that store, man. <laughs> I remember Sam Goody's. Go there every single week to get some good music. Mm-hmm. How, how long ago was that for you? Sam Goody's was a, was a long time ago. So when did you move to New York? I guess I'm trying to get to that. 98. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you've been there ever since working? Is that true? Yeah, but not at Sam Goody's. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. So, okay, so when did you finally leave Sam Goody's? And, 99. You know, okay, and from that point, was it was it strictly music all the way? Exactly. Nice. Okay, so I think what our listeners might be interested in is, will you tell us how you're able to do that? How were you able to make that transition and, and maintain it till this day? I, I hasten to say it was uh, luck. Because I think uh, there's, there's equal parts luck and then there's equal parts how you present your musicianship. There are lots of players out there that could play very well at a high level that don't have the same kind of fortune as I've found over these past you know, 16 years. But um, I could say that if, you're, uh, if you happen to get in to a good situation, like for me, that good situation was... The, the Mingus band, you start to really learn how to foster your relationships in there and, and, and really network. See, networking is a very important part of, uh, of, of working. Uh, and, and it would seem silly to, to say so because it seems so obvious, but a lot of things that I see with uh, young musicians that are on the scene right now is they don't know how to net- necessarily network in their favor. And that was something that I always knew how to do. Aside from the fact that, of course, I was over here keeping up with with uh, my playing and, and and maintaining my my abilities and my talent, but the other half of it is is knowing you know uh, how to network and and being at the right place at the right time and and having that that perfect attitude where people always think of you first when they're considering somebody for a gig. All that goes into into place. Because, I mean, you could be the greatest musician in the world, 
And, uh, and if you have a bad attitude, then people will not want to hire you. And, you know, that's, that's the way it's always been in all facets of business. You know, if you, if you have a terrible attitude, nobody's going to work, work with you. And it's a lot harder anyhow, because on the scene, people, you know, the scene is replete with people that, that want to vibe you, want to have a reason to hate you. You know what I mean? Yes, so you don't, want to, you don't want to fuel that that fire. So what do you mean when you say network in your favor? Being your own business, you're your own businessman essentially. So anything that you're doing is is in the name of you getting yourself out there. So yeah, you 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 have to be uh, kind of ubiquitous on the scene, but not in a in a creepy or annoying way. You know what I mean? But you, you just have to be there. I think Thelonious Monk said something to that effect, like just be on the scene, you know, instead of acting like a hermit. You know, I hear so many people from time to time say, oh, I don't feel like going to the session, man, and this and that. I'm not doing that. And, you know, they have all these 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 opinions about sessions and whatnot, some of which are, are very valid. But, you know, when you're not working and you're wondering why you're not working, you know, it causes concern. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. So tell tell us if a person wants to be a professional and have a a career where they're working, what's what's required of them to be successful? I know that that can mean a lot of things. I know that, but uh, I just want I want your take on that. Well, it's like I said before. It's it's the, the attitude and it's and it's the maintenance of of your talent. You know those those two things are are definitely uh, definitely what is needed to survive and, 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 and to, to, to flourish. Um, also, persistence uh, plays a major factor and, and openness is another thing, you know, because what happens is that um, what you'll find is that if you get too set in your ways, then you really get pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing, is I got to see and then I tried not to be pigeonholed. And to that effect, I didn't actually go to a lot of the sessions that were clickish. Like, I didn't go to Smalls all the time. That was definitely a click. It's much less so now than it was when I first got to scene. And that's not to knock Smalls, because Smalls is a great venue that, that nurtures talent all the time. So that's not to knock it. But there was a time where, where Smalls, um, there was a time where Smoke, and and before smoke, it was Augie's, where you know you had kind of a clique of musicians that played there, and it was it was almost like an exclusive club. Whereas I, I sought not to to kind of be in. There. I always went to places that were more neutral, just because I didn't want to be in one clique or another. I understand that. So what what venues did you choose? Well, I always ran the session over at Cleopatra's Needle, which was as neutral as it came, you know, because it didn't have the the same draw or, you know, the same kind of effect when you say the, the club as, you know, you can't say, like, when you say smoke, it has a, a certain type of gravity. Or when you say I'm going to Smalls, you know, those are like the end places. Cleopatra's Needle was not really ever the the end place. <laughs> I see. I understand. And, and there's something else that you said is that you ran the session. So that, that's something you started. I didn't. I didn't start it, but I, I I definitely ran it for a period of time. I got it. I ended 
I inherited it from uh, Philip Harper. Right, I see. And I've seen situations like that also here in Chicago. That's just how it is. So you said uh, for you, the Mingus Big Band was important to your career. How did you even get that opportunity in the first place? Let's let's start there. Philip Harper. Philip Harper was the one that uh, that hooked me up, man. I mean, I got to town, and the fr- one of the first places I went was uh, to to the Mingus, uh, no, to to Cleopatra's Needle, and he was running the session, and I played, and he liked my playing, and you know, he vowed to to try to hook me up, and so he would have me come down to the band when it was down at the Fez which is the original place that the Mingus band took place. And I would go there and I'd sit in. And Sue Mingus, much to her credit, was always there, you know, to to maintain. You know, a lot of people, you know, sometimes, you know, they get bigger than their names and so they don't feel like being someplace and they, you know, just stay at home. But Sue Mingus has always been there. And so you could always count on her being there. And she might be surly one night, she might be friendly the other night. But either way, I was always sitting in at some point, and um, and she hooked it up. After a while, she started calling me for uh, for gigs. So I want to go back to the beginning of your relationship with Harper. How did that begin? That began just like I said. It was I I, I you know I, obviously I was familiar with his music uh, with the Harper brothers, and then when I got to. Uh, to New York, and I just met him, just like I met a lot of people. Just went up to him, shook his hand, sat in, and we became fast friends. I see. That's important. I see. It makes sense. And uh, and on that note, I need to share a little story um, about relationships, because there's someone like that uh, in my life, too. And I met this guy in the local music store. It was a place where I would just go buy valve oil, you know, and get whatever I need. And I would always hear this this great trumpet playing coming out the room. And I asked the store owner, who is that? And so after many times of this happening, one day I said, hey, I got a little extra time. I'm going to stick around. I'm going to wait for this guy to finish his lesson, and I'm going to meet him. And that's what happened. And we, we met that day, and now we play with many, many great musicians. I don't want to name drop, but... That's that's how important it is to uh, introduce yourself to people. Sure. I mean, you can't be a wallflower about it. I mean, I know people, sometimes people aren't uh, so outgoing, and I can understand how people can be shy. I was never, I mean, I can be shy sometimes, but then when it's, when it's time to put up or shut up, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm ride or die. I'll go up and, and introduce myself. I mean, I'm out here right now in California teaching at uh, Stanford and uh, I just had the occasion to uh, meet uh, Kenny Burrell who I'd never actually met and you know I made it a point to go right up to him you know because he's 83 years old you know I don't see him every day <laughs> you know right and, and he's one of the, the, the few cats that I, I'd never really connected with so you know I, and I went up to him and I said hey man I just wanted to meet you and say uh, you know big fan of yours you know just on 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 just meeting him and you know the thing he said was yeah what's your name I said I'm Jeremy Pelt big fan of yours oh you're Jeremy Pelt oh man you know and I'm like shocked that he knows me <laughs> you know that's right so you never know okay now you you brought up a really good point let's talk about 
how a person can get to that point where, in this case, Kenny Burrell heard about heard about you. Wait, replace that one more time. Yeah. Okay. So you met Kenny Burrell. Yes. And when you introduced yourself to him, he said, "Oh, you're the guy I heard about." Mm-hmm. So how how does one get to the point of of the the great masters hearing about you? What what does that take? What does that involve? If you're on the scene for an amount of time and and uh, and you put out records that that have been, I guess, praised or or really played on the radio a lot, I, I think that that's the main way. I mean, some a lot of times you'll meet some of the older cats that aren't as uh, hip to what's you know current in the scene, so. A lot of times, what what happened with my what's happened with my career thus far is I've I've been fortunate enough to play a lot with their contemporaries. So you know, if I, if I'm meeting Kenny uh, Kenny Burrell, you know, he might know me from having played something with Jimmy Heath. You know, and they're up and around the same age. You know, or Cedar Walton. You know, people that were around, and so there's that frame of reference right there. And, you know. for, and again, that all goes back for you. That all goes back to Mingus, correct? Uh, There's not a direct line, but I mean, indirectly. Okay. You know, uh, indirectly, I would say that that's, uh, that's very possible. Jeremy, I want to take time right now to acknowledge our sponsor. For you, the listeners of Behind the Notes podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Their titles like Six Figure Musician, Making Money with Your Music, Making Music Your Business, and many other titles. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash behind the note. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash behind the note for your free audiobook. All right, I want to switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about what it takes to be a good band leader. Mm-hmm. Because you you traveled the world as a band leader. And just teach us a little bit about what that takes. What does that really mean? And uh, what what type of work is involved there? Uh, well, to be a good band leader, you know, this, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because it's uh, a fairly important question and it's something that I, I continually learn about and, and hone and something that I actually learned about realistically um, when I had my my first great quintet, I'll say, <laughs> with J.D. Allen and, and, and uh, Danny Grissett and Gerald Cleaver and the uh, recently passed Dwayne Bruno, you know, and they taught me a lot about how to maintain because a band leader doesn't just necessarily mean you pick the songs and you get up on stage and you snap it off and you're playing and you take the first solo. And to be a band leader in its entirety means that you're the one that's charged with taking care of every aspect of the gig and making sure that your, your musicians are... Uh, well taken care of um, on the bandstand and off the bandstand. You have to be representative of your music and representative of their uh, concerns as uh, as musicians and making sure that uh, that everything is 
right or as right as they could be, you know. Um, being a band leader definitely is more than just snapping off a song. You know, you have to take everything into consideration uh, around you as a leader, you know, which also means that when things are good, you take credit for that. <laughs> yeah. And when things are bad, you're the captain of that ship, so you're the first to go down, you know. And you're the one that's charged with making it right. That's true. Um, tell us about how do you make sure that things are as right as they can be before you arrive in a in a city? What What do you need to do before you get there? You have to prepare. You have to be like, okay. You know, a lot of times what has happened with, with me is that uh, I will... Sometimes I've had a manager. I had a manager for 10 years. I don't have one anymore because I do a lot of things myself. But I also hired various assistants at some point to, to kind of uh, chart out uh, ways to travel. And so I think the, 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 the bottom line in terms of that is to be as prepared as possible for what lies ahead in each city. You know, so you have to know how to leave with enough time so that you get to the hotel in enough time. Um, you have to also leave room for error because it does happen. So you have to have a cushion just in case things don't go the way uh, you had planned for so carefully. What's the amount of cushion that you've come used to providing for yourself? It depends on the event. It depends on, 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 uh, on the time. You know, it really just depends. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's hard to to really give a definitive answer because it depends on the situation. But it does, it just suffices to say it does take a bit of of foreshadowing. All right. So I have a question here that I I, uh, received from one of our listeners. And I did not, I didn't get his permission to read it, so I will not mention his name. But Mm -hmm. I believe this, uh, this could be a lot of musicians. So I wrote an email and I asked the people who signed up, what are you struggling with in your musical journey? And this is one of the replies that I got. And it's very long, so I don't think I can read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I'll start it off. Okay, here it is. The biggest worry I have is establishing a financial foundation. Big surprise. Mm-hmm. I am trying to figure out how I will balance maintaining my musical integrity and pursuing the musical opportunities that interest me mm-hmm. and building a foundation to eventually, but hopefully very soon, fairly soon, support myself and my family. My ideal is teaching at the university level while having the freedom to play the gigs I want to play and not how to worry about money. Being paid to play music is awesome until that money has to pay your expenses. At that point, it feels like a job. And I'm worried, I'm sorry, and I'm working a day job in sales right now, and I don't particularly like it. It does help with the expenses, leaving any money I make from gigs as a bonus. Uh, But then he goes on to talk about how he prefers to be teaching, and uh, he's considering doing... uh, um, uh, what is this? A doctorate degree. So and he he has a lot more to say, but I think this this uh, could be a lot of musicians. Uh, what what do you think about what he had to write so far? It's it's certainly not unique. 
you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you said, it could be a lot of musicians, and it is a lot of musicians. Hell, I'd like a university job too. <laughs> you yeah, know, I was going to ask you if if you are, are doing that. Okay. Well, I had one. I was at uh, University of Hartford for for about two years. Um, it, you know, I, that's that's such a tough call. It really is. It really is a tough call. I can't say, well, this is what you need to do to do this. Because the other thing is that from the perspective that I, I'm, I'm, I'm at, I started my career very, uh, not very young, but young in the sense of having just moved to New York with no um, dependence, with no, no, nothing to really work, worry about except for paying what, $400 a month for rent. And yeah, I mean, at that time, that was a stretch because I was pretty much broke, hence the job over at Sam Goody's. Um, but certainly I didn't have a lot of the, 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 uh, the things that I do now have, which I couldn't imagine starting out, or not even starting out, but, but trying to branch out and forge a career at this point. You know, I've got two kids. You know, okay. I was so, going to ask you about that too. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's, you know, to, to have a family and whatnot, and and try to do it at this point, is is it's not it's it's difficult, but not impossible. And I and I, my hats go off to anybody that would you know really try to start it off, and 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 have a degree of success. I mean, I can't. I I, I really can't. I don't know what to even how to how to even approach coming up with a, a any kind of solution to that to that conundrum because I've never I've simply just never been in that that uh, that situation. Like I said, I mean, when I started out, I had no worries in the world except for four hundred dollars a month for rent, and so I mean, I could stay out till five o'clock in the morning. I mean, my my pretty much my schedule was I you know, and I lived all the way up in Washington Heights, so that's 160th Street. Meanwhile, Sam Goody's is in the village on, you know, well, was in the village on 6th Avenue and, and 8th Street. So that's a bit of a hike right there. And what I would do is I would wake up at at, six, at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd open up the store, and there was no 9 to 5. I mean, these hours were kind of inhumane, so we'd be working from maybe nine to nine or something like that. Then you close and you had to vacuum up the whole store. And then from there, I would go right to the session. And the session would be from like, you know, 11 or midnight until four o'clock in the morning. And then I go back home and then reset. Then get, you know, maybe three hours of sleep or four hours of sleep. And that's what I was, that's what I was doing for, uh, for quite a, a long time. A, a bit of time at least and and until I got you know more established and, and started being able to to go on the road and 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 do things like that so I mean that's 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 kind of like a, a, a sampling of what my schedule was like but again I didn't have any dependents or anything like that um, nowadays it's like I said I, I, my, I, I can't I couldn't imagine saying okay now with kids and family and whatnot, and, and a day job, I'm going to go ahead and try to do this. But I will say this, the way that I was raised was that 
you have to hustle. Matter of fact, I, it, I mean, that, that thought was just in my mind uh, yesterday. I think I posted something on Facebook about it. You know, the thing is, uh, if you want anything bad enough, you're going to have to hustle for it, man. And hustle, hustle hard. You know what I mean? So you have to come up with a plan for yourself. And, and a lot of times that plan will fail. Sometimes it'll be it'll surprise you and be great, you know what I mean? Um, and then things will work out. But you have to number one be practicing a lot and and making sure that you you uh, have a presence on the scene and uh, and above that you just have to really really want it and 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 abide by the. Uh, the unwritten kind of code for being a jazz musician, which is just basically be visible and and networking too. I know some people that are freakishly good at networking. I know people that have moved to town, you know, a couple years younger than me, and that moved to town, and and now I see them with endorsements and whatnot, and I don't even know how to how they got endorsements, being that they haven't really played with as many people. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. But people, but you know, I can never. One thing I can never be mad at is somebody's hustle, somebody's game. You know, because that shows that they on top of it. So I mean, the only thing I would suggest to to, to any uh, any person that has that uh, that that has that will to want to do it is they have to really, really, really be on their hustle. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one more question because we're coming up on time and okay. we want to keep my word. Um, just tell us one of your habits that you believe has attributed to your success. Being gracious. Yeah, I'm just nodding my head. Yeah. I, I know you can't see that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 that's something that is a very big plus is, is, is being very gracious about, uh, the success that I've had and uh, and not taking that for granted. I've taken a lot of other things for granted in my life, but uh, one of the things that, that I really have not, uh, I, have, I have never really taken it granted is the success that I have accrued uh, over the past 16 years and um, whatever, you know, comes along. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that with us. Man, you've been great, and we're so thankful that you took the time to share with us today. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thanks a lot. And that was our talk with Mr. Jeremy Pelt. Thanks again, Jeremy, for spending your time with us and sharing your wisdom with us. We learned a lot from you today. Just thank you so much. And at the end of the episode there, I brought in a question from one of our fellow listeners. And I'm actually going to talk more about that letter next episode because I realize that represents many musicians so I feel it's important to spend some time with that but as far as today's episode in a nutshell uh, I'm going to wrap it up by reminding you of these four points number one is attitude have the attitude as such as people will remember you first when the job comes available and number two maintenance of your talent is important so when those opportunities arrive you're ready you're ready to go number three is to be persistent number four 
is to have the openness and flexibility to do the job that's required of you or the opportunity that comes before you be open and flexible to it thanks a lot guys for your time today thanks for pressing play thanks for listening to the end and if you made it this far i need to ask you please subscribe to the show subscribe to the show press that button that says subscribe thank you very much and we'll see you in the next episode god bless you